From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Well, we're grateful to be able to worship together and be here together. I'm excited to see you. Happy Dad's Day again to all the fathers here and, and everywhere and grandfathers and, and uncles and those of you who play the role of father. We're just, uh, we celebrate you today. And I was, I was dreaming the other night that I was speaking today and it was so good. And then I woke up and I realized it was a dream. But what I did is because I felt the stirring in my heart as I wrote down as much as I could. I wrote down as much as I could remember because I really believe that, that God has a word for somebody today. So we're gonna take a little bit of a detour from our ghost series. We've been talking about the Holy Ghost, about the Holy Spirit. We're gonna detour for the day and, uh, and look at this uh, topic of the Heavenly Father um, today. If I, I'm gonna take these off. Yeah, I can see that better. That's good. Sometimes the creative juices come at the most inopportune moments, like when you're sleeping. And there's, there's a lesson that I learned a long time ago, and that was that if you are preaching a sermon in your sleep, when the moment you wake up, if you can, wake up and write it down, because almost always it's, it's good stuff that God wants to share. But if I don't write it down, I will forget. And so I wrote down some thoughts for, for us today. Um, I believe that this might be for one person or two people. I usually don't say that. Maybe I do. I don't know. You can tell me. But uh, I really believe that the, what we're sharing today was, was from God for somebody. Now, for those of you who are dads or those of you who have dads in and around your life, there comes a point in every father's life when he realizes that he's not just a new father's life. There comes a point in every new father's life when he realizes he's not just a man anymore. Like there's a, there's a, there's a dividing line. There's a distinction. There's a, there's a difference between just a man and, and a dad. Uh, they dress different. I don't know if you've noticed that. You can usually spot them out in public. There's a dad and, and there's a dad by the way they look, you know, especially new dads, like those that are new. And if you are a dad and your kid has grown up or your grandfather, you've watched this, you know this, you're past that stage, but you can spot new dads by what they carry sometimes, you know, maybe the mark on the shirt, you know, there's like a little stain there that's not spaghetti sauce. It's something else. You know that, right? Dads, that dads, you can spot a dad. They're distinguishable. I remember when Jody was pregnant with uh, Eli, our first son, and I had a friend come up to me. He said, dude, you're going to get dad strength. I said, what's dad strength? And he goes, it's a strength you get when you're a dad, but not because you've done any sort of exercise. And I totally believe it to be true. There's a point in every father's life where he gets stronger, not because he's exercised, but just because he's a dad. Actually, I think there's three strengths and every man's life. There's a man's strength. For those of you who are under the age of maybe 20, I don't know what, it doesn't come at 18, but there comes a time when you've just crossed that threshold where you get a different kind of strength. There's a dad's strength and then there's a farmer's strength. You know what I'm talking about? Where are the farmers? There's one over there. I had, uh, where's the other one? There's, there's a few here. I remember when we moved into our, our home here, we had a piano. And some of you guys came and you helped us move. And there was two guys in particular, both of which are dads um, who pushed kind of everyone out of the way and said, we got this. And they lifted this piano and moved it downstairs. And it was like this glorious sight. It was miraculous. It was like the parting of the Red Sea. And if you're here, I know where the other one is somewhere here hiding. Um, you know who you are. There's, there's, there's a strength that comes with being a dad. 
And uh, I knew I was a dad when sleeping in meant that I can't sleep past 8 a.m. no matter how free I was able to stay in my bed for. Like for instance, last yesterday, Jody says, you, you know, you stay in bed. We're gonna bring you breakfast in bed because you'll be out Sunday morning. And it's 7.45 and I'm like, I can't sleep any, any longer. I knew I was a dad when, when I get excited, when I got excited about the prospect of a minivan. Like Jody wasn't even excited, but I was excited. They just have so much space. And now that I have three kids and a dog, I'm like, what's bigger than a minivan? Like we need something. I knew I was a dad that when I got excited, when my kids went potty, we actually have this toilet that sings a song when somebody goes potty in our house. So we know, I knew I was a dad when we start handing out treats for when somebody goes potty. I knew as a, I was a dad when I, when my kid puked, I went to catch it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody remember that? So some of you have older kids. Do you remember those days? You go to catch it. I have boys. There was a time where I was blocking the projectile stuff from going somewhere else and hitting somewhere else. You know, you just wait till, you don't know what I'm talking about. That's okay. You don't need to know because it's gross. But I knew I was a dad. I knew I was a dad when I started saying things that only dads say. You know what I'm talking about? Whenever a dad is leaving somewhere, what do they say? Let's rock and roll. I've never said that before in my life before I was a dad. I knew I was a dad that when people left the, the room to go somewhere, they left the house and they had to come in because they forgot something. You say that was fast. <laughs> the, the dads get it. I knew I was a dad when I started hearing police sirens going off and I told my kids, oh no, they're coming to get you. When you give your kid a small amount of money and you say, don't spend it all in one place. Do you know what the thing about with dads and, and those kinds of sayings is they enjoy saying them. I knew I was a dad when I started saying when something broke and it didn't matter what broke, at what time or how it broke, but I started saying they don't make them like they used to. When I wasn't even alive when they made them like they used to. Dads are a, a special breed. I love dads. I love my dad, but today I want to talk about Another dad, I want to talk about the father. I want to talk about the heavenly father today. I know many of us have uh, different experiences with our father, but I want us to come to understand the heavenly father in a new light, in a new way. A.W. Tozer, he said this, he said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It's the most important thing because it's going to determine how you relate to God. It's gonna determine how close you get to God. It's gonna determine how you worship God. Your worship for greater or poorer is determined based on what you believe about God. Your level of service, your level of activity in, in God's house, your dedication, your obedience, your, your, your drawnness to the scriptures. I don't even know if drawnness is a word, but I said it anyway. Is determined based on what you believe about God. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you because it's going to determine your relationship with God. And what should come to our mind and what we should think of is a good father. The term father is a very close and intimate term. It's a term of affection, connection, and relationship. And this is how God wants to be seen. 
This is how the father wants to be seen. In fact, Jesus, he encouraged his followers and his apprentices, you and me, to refer to God as father. His disciples in Matthew chapter six, they came to Jesus and they asked him, they said, teach us how to pray. And what's interesting to note, just so you know, if you read the New Testament, you need to read the story of the gospels of, of the disciples and Jesus, the only thing they ever asked Jesus to teach them was how to pray. Because there was something about how Jesus prayed that they were drawn to. There was a depth of relationship that Jesus had with God, with the Father that they were drawn to. And so when they asked Jesus to teach us how to pray, the first thing that Jesus said is he said this. He said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, our Father And throughout the gospels, the first uh, four books of the New Testament, Jesus makes 150 references, over 150 references to God as father. In fact, almost every recorded prayer we have from the lips of Jesus begins with our father, or he references God as father. You see the term father throughout the New Testament as you go into the epistles and the writings of the disciples. But there are three times in scripture only three times where God is referred to as Abba Father. How many heard that before? Only a few of us will let me enlighten you this morning. You can put up your hand if you've heard of it. Don't just nod your head, but I got to see your hand, okay? This is, let's just talk about engagement for a second. You got to, this is the first time I've been preaching for a lot to a large crowd, okay? In a while. Give me some grace. Clap, wave, amen. Do something, Help me out. Abba Father referred to three times in scriptures. The first is in Romans chapter eight, where Paul said this to the church in Rome. He said, verse 14 and 15, for those who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you will live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba Father. In Galatians chapter four, verse six, this is Paul again speaking to the church in Galatia. He says this, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. And Jesus, just before he was gonna be arrested and crucified, he's found in a garden and he's having this moment with the father where he's in desperation and he cries out this. He says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. The word Abba, it's, a, it's an Aramaic term and it literally is translated father. So really they're saying father, father, but it's one of the most significant names of God in understanding how he relates to people because Abba signifies a very close and intimate relationship. It's the least formal word for father and it's used for when a child is jumping up on a father's lap or running into their arms. It's daddy is what it is. It's daddy. And this is how God, this is how Jesus tells, tells his followers and what Jesus called his God, his father. Um, 
He called, he called them to call him a father. And it was significant and it was unheard of. And at the time, it was a radical departure from tradition. Because if you go to the Old Testament, when we see father in the Old Testament, it wasn't so much a, a name for God as it was a title. It was more metaphorical. It was used to, to describe the redeemer and the God who forgives, not that intimate personal relationship. In fact, that's part of the reason why the Pharisees and the religious people wanted to crucify and kill Jesus because he was assuming a depth of relationship with the father that no one could assume. When he started to refer to God as father in an Abba form in that relational term, they said, you can't do that. But this is how God wants us to, to see him. And this is what Jesus calls us to, to call God is, is Abba father. And so I wanna turn your attention to a familiar story today. Um, in my spirit, as I was sleeping, the Holy Spirit revealed, um, Five different things I want to share. There's a lot more here, but five different things that, that I believe God has for us today. Um, this story is one of the greatest stories about God as Father, and it's the story of the lost son found in Luke chapter 15. Many of us are familiar with it. You probably know it as the prodigal son or the parable of the prodigal son, which is a term we use in church a lot. And for the longest time, I didn't even know what that meant. Do you know what prodigal means? Often when we think of prodigal, we think of lost we think of wayward, we think of backslidden person, we think of someone who's left the church. We, we refer to people as prodigals. But prodigal actually describes the actions of the son. If you look up the definition of prodigal, it refers to spending money recklessly and wastefully. So you can be a prodigal and not be lost. You can be wasteful and reckless with your resources and not be lost. In the, in the scriptures, Luke, he doesn't actually refer to the son as prodigal. It refers to him as loss. We just put that in there in our modern way of understanding the scriptures, right? We, the chapters and the verses that you see in your Bible and the, the sub, subtitles, they weren't there in the original text. They were put in after for our sake in order to be, be able to find things more quickly. So here's a, here's a quick recap of the story. One of the sons, his father has two sons. One of the sons comes to the father and he says, give me my share of the inheritance. And so the father takes the inheritance. He divides it between the two sons and the one son who asked for it, he goes off. He's the younger son. He goes off into another country, a faraway land, and he squanders it all. He, he spends every single dime living it up. Kind of like a person who just won the lottery. They start buying all the big toys and everything they do. They, it burns a hole in their pocket. Your, your dad ever tell you that? When, when I was a kid, my dad used to say that to me all the time. Is it burning a hole in your pocket? He just squandered it all. And then there was a severe famine in the land. And so he finds himself with nothing left, no resources, no cash, no money, no nothing. And he's forced to tend and eat with pigs. Now for a Jewish person, um, pigs were the most, un probably the most unclean animal that existed. So this is like a double blow. Not only have you lost everything, but now you're, you're tending and eating with pigs. And so he decides, you know what, I'll go back to my father, I'll apologize, and I'll ask to become one of the hired servants. And then the father, when he sees him coming, he, he welcomes him with joy, and he throws this big, lavish party. Now, Jesus actually tells this story, as much as historically throughout church, you know, probably most of the time we hear this passage talked about, we, refer, we look to the father, or we look to that younger son, but in context, the story is actually about the older son. Because this is a response of Jesus to the Pharisees and the teachers who were upset with Jesus because of the crowds that he was hanging out with. And so it was a response to their grumbling and complaining. Hanging out with the wrong crowd was a common criticism of Jesus. But he insisted that he didn't come for the righteous, but he came for 
the social outcast, the sinner, those that were ostracized from society. But I wanna show you a few things that this story tells us about the good father so that we can reshape the way we view God. And if you are a father, I want you to lean in a little bit extra because not only can you shape the way you view father, but you can shape the way you are a father. And if you are a, a young man in the room and you're yet to be a dad, and maybe that's like generations, like long, I'm seeing some young guys back there, maybe it's like a long way away. Begin to grasp this and take this to heart. First thing is this, the father is available. So I was drawn to the fact that the son in this story felt bold enough and confident enough that he could go to his father with such an outrageous request. Now, this is not like, you know, 2021 where this story is taking place. This is not 50 years ago. This is not 100 years ago. Imagine like a son going to a father 100 years ago. I remember my dad telling me stories that he grew up in a, in a poor family where his father would be the one that eats the meat while they sit there and they watch. Imagine the son being bold to say, can I have the piece of meat? Where's my piece of meat? Now, this is first century. This is 2,000 years that Jesus is telling the story, 2,000 years ago. He's, he feels confident enough to go to his father with such an outrageous request and the father is available to receive that. We serve a God, a heavenly father, an Abba father that makes himself available to us. Because of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit, we can approach God boldly. The scriptures tell us in Hebrews that we can confidently and boldly approach the throne of the father to receive mercy and grace to help us in time of need. We don't serve a God who is, who is distant, who is aloof. The, the God of the universe, right? Who created every planet that you can think of, every, every solar system, every galaxy, the entire cosmos is available to us. He's not aloof. He's not distant. He's not unapproachable. He's not unavailable. He is there for you. You can turn to him. You may not be able to turn to your earthly father. You may have no one on this earth that you feel like you can go to, but God is available to you. That is the God we serve. The father in this story was available to the son even before the son squandered the inheritance. We often, and we will, we often look at the other side of the story. But even on this side, he's ready to receive his son. He is available and the God we serve is available. The second thing is this, the father was generous. Now this is obvious to see. First, he gives freely. The younger son is inheritance when the son comes and says, give me my share. He divides it between the two, and, but then the son, he squanders it, he loses it, he spends it, living it up. And then he finds himself broken. He finds himself desperate. He finds himself in, in a repentant situation. In fact, it tells us this. It says, he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your high, hired servants. That's repentance, right? He's recognized the error and he's returning saying, I've done wrong. Help me. And what does the father do? He doesn't scold him. He doesn't discipline him. He doesn't say, sorry, you had your chance. Get out. He welcomes him. He pours out generosity. He gives freely and abundantly. He doesn't hold him accountable for the loss, but he welcomes him back home because he's repentant. 
In fact, scriptures say this, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter seven. It says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, just so you know as good as we may be, we are evil because of sin. We have sinful tendencies. We have a nature in us that's bent towards wrong. So Jesus says, even you, though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much so would the heavenly father, the good father, give good gifts? And in James, it tells us we have not because we ask not. Like we, have a, we serve a father who is generous, who gives freely. Salvation is the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And we don't think it's as big as maybe the cash flow in the bank account or the relationship status. But that is the greatest gift that the father could give us and he gives it freely. I was actually talking to my, my, my oldest son the other night. Maybe it was last night. I don't know. It's a couple nights ago. We're talking about how salvation costs somebody something. And he said, it costs somebody. I said, yeah, Jesus gave up his life so you didn't have to pay. He gives generously. We serve a generous father. Number three is the father allowed his son to make his own choice. We believe in the sovereignty of God here at this church. We believe that God is in sovereign control over all life. Nothing happens without his authority and his knowledge. Yet within that, there is choice. And in this story, we see a father giving his son choice. Now, I was thinking that this father has to know that this son is gonna be reckless with this money. Like some of us, if our kids would come up to us and ask for, for something, we know what the outcome is gonna be. And so we will say yes or no based on what we believe is gonna happen, right? This father has to know, yet he, he allows his son to make the choice for himself. He allows his son to make the mistakes. He doesn't try to stop him. He doesn't try to control him. He doesn't make the son walk the path he wants him to walk. And the father that we serve in heaven is a heavenly father who has given humanity, each of us, choice to make whatever path, to walk whatever path we want. And each of those choices has its own end. You know, the son in the story can't say to the father, well, you didn't look out for me. How come you let people take advantage of me? How come you didn't support me and, and resource me? Why did you let me tend to pigs? They're pigs, dad. Pigs. He can't say that because the father gave him the choice. You came to me and you asked, here's the choice. And we serve a God who gives us a choice. And listen, choices that we make have consequences that we can't put on God, but we are responsible for the consequences of our own choices. We serve a God who allows us to choose the path we want to take. And sometimes that path leads us to eternal separation. But we also serve a God who gives us the choice to return. Because when that son wanted to return, when he recognized the choices he made, landed him where they landed him, when he went back home with nothing, he was welcomed back. That's the God that we serve. He gives us freedom to choose. But when we choose to return, he welcomes us back home. Number four, and I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back up, is the father loved deeply. And this is my favorite part of the story. So the father is available. He gives to the son. He lets the son make the choice. And then we have this picture after the son hits rock bottom. 
We have this picture of when he decides to return to his home as a servant. Son is back on the road, coming back home, and I wonder what's going through his head. I imagine if that was me, what would be going through my head? Like, what is my father going to say? What's my dad going to do? I I took my inheritance. I asked him for this, and I've lost everything. What's he going to do? Is he going to accept me? Maybe Maybe he'll receive me as a hired servant. Maybe he'll let me be one of the slaves. But it says this. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. While he was still a long way off, the father saw him. And what does that tell you? Tells me a number of things. I could probably preach. I was thinking about that. I'm like, how much do I want to go into detail about just this one thought? But I, I won't. But it tells me that the father was waiting for him. Tells me that every day he stood outside and he looked down to see if his son was coming. Because when he was a long way off, he saw him. That tells me that this father loved deeply. That even though I've given my son the choice and I've given him his inheritance and he's free to go off and do, I'm going to wait every single day because I love him deeply. And we serve a God, a heavenly father, an Abba father, who loves you deeply, who waits for you. Think of that image in your mind of that father out on the porch. Maybe it wasn't a porch. Maybe it was like, I don't know what else you'd have, ground. And he's just staring, waiting at the road. That's, that's the God we serve. He's staring down the road to see, are they coming back? Are they returning? And I think not just for returning back into the, to the family, not just to returning home, not just for salvation. I think for all sorts of stuff. He's waiting for you to spend time with him. Is he, is he coming? I, I just want to hear how his day went. Yeah, oh, I'm just going to wait here. Like, like I imagine if that was Jody and I, which it probably wouldn't be because she's an incredibly caring mother. She'd be like, come on inside. It's dinner time. We got things to do. And I'd be like, I just, I just want to wait. I want to see. I want to spend some time with my kids. And that's the God that we serve. He loves us deeply and he waits for us to return. And then it says this in the story. Oh, my iPad's too cold, so I can't, or too hot, I can't share. It says this in the story that while the son was a long way off, he was filled with compassion and he ran, which is incredibly out of character for a rich man in that culture to do. He ran and then he says, quick, he says to the servants, quick, get the fatted calf, kill it. Let's have a big party, get the the best robe and get the ring because my son was lost and now he is found. That's the God we serve that throws a party in heaven when one returns home. Why? Because at number five, he is full of grace and mercy. So I was sharing with my my boys um, the other night, everything happened this week. Makes you wonder that this was for somebody today. I was explaining to them the difference between grace and mercy because sometimes we intermingle those terms, but they're different. Mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. The consequence the Bible tells us for sin is death, right? There's consequence for sin. There's consequence in the here and now. Mercy is when we don't receive the consequence for our sin. So because Jesus died on the cross for our sin, he took the punishment and gave us his mercy. We don't get what we deserve. Grace 
is when we get what we didn't earn. So the grace of Jesus says you don't, you didn't do anything to earn salvation. You didn't do anything to earn righteousness, but because I am perfect, Jesus, I am perfect. I give that to you. So what Jesus did on the cross is he took our sin onto himself. He took our punishment and he gave us his perfection. He gave us what's, what Romans tells us, the righteousness of God. He imputed that to us right? That's called grace. When you get something that you didn't earn. And what we see in this story is a father who gave his son something that he didn't deserve. Grace. And that is the God that we serve. We serve a good father in heaven, an Abba father who is gracious and merciful every day. The Bible says that his mercies are new every day. That tells us what? That every single day we don't get what we deserve, but we're extended grace. So what comes into our mind when we think about God? We should be thinking of a good father. We should be thinking of an Abba father. We should be thinking of a God who is available to us, a God who is generous to us, a God who gives us choices, a God who, who welcomes us home because he has deep love for us, a God who is gracious and generous because that is who God is. And any other image that we have in our head of who God is, is not biblical. Because that is the biblical view. That is what Jesus revealed to us of who the Father in heaven is. And so if you project onto the heavenly Father, onto God, what you experience with your Father, good or bad, you are in error. Because even the best Father doesn't come close to the heavenly Father. Like take, if you have a dad, and maybe this is only a few of you, who you look at and you're like, man, my dad looks like Jesus. Not physically, <laughs> but when I think about who Jesus is, I think of my dad, that is, that is a blessing and that is amazing, but multiply that by the infinity and you don't even come close to the grace and mercy of God. And if you had an experience with an earthly father that, that was terrible and harmful and hurtful, what we do unknowingly, subconsciously is we project that onto God. And the problem is, is when we think about God, we sometimes think, well, maybe he's the God that holds things back. Or maybe he's the God that's gonna discipline me. Why? Because my dad held things back and my dad disciplined me. And we put that on him. That's not who God is. That's not who Abba Father is. He's our Father. And that's what we need to think of. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.